I said that the comedy became a story, or that it settled into its storytelling as we came over a break into Canto 8. I want to follow up on that, and I want to tell you a story. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough. This is the podcast, Walking with Dante. And in this episode, I'm not going to do what we usually do in this podcast. In this podcast, usually we take a passage in order from the comedy. We're in Inferno. We're in Cantos 7, 8, and heading toward 9 right now. And usually we take a passage from each of the Cantos, and I work through it, talk about it, talk about the interpretive knots in it, offer you some of my interpretations, offer you interpretations by great Dante scholars for the passage. That's usually how it goes. This episode's a little different. I have made a big deal about storytelling, that I think that this comedy is becoming more centered in its storytelling abilities, and it's allowing the story suddenly to become more important than the discursive elements or the point-making, as in the goddess fortune. It's not that those aren't pieces of the, of the comedy and won't continue to be, it's that the story seems to suddenly be overtaking it. And so in order to show you that, I thought it was important to break the rhythm of this podcast and do something different. What I want to do is I want to read you the comedy, my translation of it. I'm going to start in Canto 7, line 97, and I'm going to go all the way all the way to Canto 9, line 106. So a giant passage, 7, line 97, through 9, 106. And I'm just going to read you my translation of it. My translations live on my website, markscarborough.com or walkingwithdante.com. You can go to either. It's under a subhead, Walking with Dante. You can see them there. But I'd like you to just sit back and listen to this because I'd like you to hear the story. We're going to come back in future episodes, don't worry, and we're going to take this thing apart into pieces, and we're going to work through it piece by piece all the way out through nine, and we're going to go back to the regular way we do business here on the podcast. But this episode is to let you hear the story and let you hear how the pace has slowed, how the circle of the wrathful has expanded beyond the bounds of cantos, and how the circle of the wrathful takes in far more than, well, a zoo or museum of the sinful. So, here we start for the story. Now let's descend to even greater sorrow. Those stars that were rising when I started out are falling now. We must not stick around too long. We cross the circle to its outer rim to a place where a boiling spring overflows and collects in a ditch to flow away. The water was dark, more so than ink, and we, going along its murky wave, went down by a fractured path into this swamp, which is called Styx. This miserable creek made its way to the bottom of the evil gray slope, and I, with a fixed stare, saw a muddy people in that mess, all of them naked, and with looks of rage, they were socking each other, not just with their hands, but with their heads, their chests, even their feet. They even tore each other limb from limb with their teeth. My good master said, Son! Now you see the souls of those overtaken with wrath. And what's more, I want you to believe for certain that under the water is a people who sigh and make all those bubbles at its surface, as you can see, wherever you turn your eyes. Stuck in the mud, they say, 
We were so sad, even when the sun made the sweet air glad, that we carried around our own acrid fog. Now we croak like frogs in this black morass. They gargle their refrain deep in their throats, for they can't speak complete words. In this way, we made a big arc around the gross pond, between the dry bank and the wet parts, our eyes on those who suck down the mud. At last, we came to the foot of a tower. Continuing on, I say that well before we got to the foot of that high tower, our eyes had already been directed toward its top, drawn by two flames that flickered up there, and another that answered from so far away our eyes could barely make it out. Turning to that sea of all that can be known, I said, What's this one saying? And what does that other flame respond? And who are the ones who made it? And he to me, You can already see over the greasy waters what we're expecting if the miasma from the swamp doesn't hide it from you. No bow ever shot an arrow that flew through the air so fast as the pipsqueak boat I saw coming toward us skimming along the water under the hand of a single oarsman who hollered, Now I've got you, you foul soul! Flake, yes, flake, yes, you shout for no reason, said my leader. In this instance, you will have us no longer than the time it takes to cross over this swamp like one who learns he's been taken in by a big scheme and is eaten up with resentment, so was Flagius in his trapped rage. My leader stepped down into the boat and he made me step in with him. And only when I did did the boat seem to be laden. As soon as my leader and I were on board, the ancient prow cut deeper in the water more than it did when it transported others. As we were crossing the dead muck, a figure covered in mud rose up in front of me and said, Who are you who comes here before your time? And I to him, If I come, I won't stick around. And who are you who have become so gross? And he replied, You see that I'm one who wails. And I to him, with wailing and mourning damned spirit, may you stay here, for I recognize you, even if you're covered in filth. Then he reached with both hands for the boat, and my wary master shoved him back, saying, Over there, with the other dogs! Then he put his arms around my neck and kissed me, and said, Indignant soul, blessed is she, who was pregnant with you. In the world above, he was puffed with pride. Not one good thing graces his memory. That's why his shade is so furious. How many up there think of themselves as great muckety-mucks, yet will lie like pigs in this muck, leaving behind nothing but horrible contempt? And I, master, I'd really like to see this one deep in the broth before we leave this lake. And he to me, Before the shore lets itself be seen, you'll be satisfied. Such a desire should be fulfilled. Right after that, I saw the muddy people rip apart that gentleman so badly that I still praise God and thank him for it. They all cried, 
Get Filippo Argenti! And this crazed Florentine spirit chewed himself with his own teeth. There we left him. I can say no more about him, for my ears were bashed with such a sound of pain that I had to open my eyes wide to see what lay ahead. My good master said, Now, my son, coming upon us is the city called Dis, with its weighed-down citizens and great army. And I, master, I already make out the minarets there, set into the ramparts. Those minarets are as vermilion as if they'd just been taken out of the fire. And he to me, the eternal fire from inside makes them glow red, just as you see in this lower part of hell. We finally came to the deep moats, the outer defenses of inconsolable ground. The walls looked to me as if they were made of iron. It was not until we had first made a big circle that we came to a place where the boatman yelled, Get out! This is the entrance! At the gate, I saw more than a thousand of those who had fallen from heaven, who belligerently cried out, Who is this one who without death nonetheless traverses the kingdom of the dead people? And my wise master made a signal as if to say that he wanted to talk to them privately. Then they all checked their disdain a bit and said, You come by yourself and send that one away, the one who came into this realm so boldly. Let him go back along his foolish path, see if he knows how. For you'll remain here. You escorted him through this gloomy country. Think, reader, how I got weak in the knees at the sound of those cursed words. I believed I'd never make it back from here. Oh, my dear leader, who more than seven times has brought me back to safety and saved me from the deep dangers that have pressed against me, do not leave me, I said, how I am undone. If the further passage is barred from us, let us quickly go back in our own footprints together. And that lord who led me there said, fear not. No one can stop our passage since it's been granted by such a one. But wait here for me. Let your tired soul be comforted and fed with good hope, for I will never leave you in the underworld. So my sweet father went off and abandoned me, and I bandied myself around so much that yea and nay fought in my head. I wasn't able to hear what he proposed to them, but he was not long among them there before they tried to knock each other out of the way to get back inside. Our adversaries then closed the gates in my lord's face. He stayed outside, then turned back to me with faltering steps. His eyes were on the ground, and his brow shaved of all its boldness. And he spoke in sighs. Who has confounded me at the houses of sorrow? And he said to me, You, because I am irritated, don't get dismayed. No matter how they busy themselves inside to prevent our way, there is nothing new in their insubordination, for they showed it once before at a less secret gate that to this day is without any defenses. You already saw the dead riding. On this side, already down the slope, passing through the circles without an escort, comes one who will open the city for us. 
The color that cowardice had painted my face when I saw my leader turn back and retreat made him hurry up and get a grip on his own pallor. He stopped like a man who listens alert since his eyes could not reach very far into the black air and the clotted fog. We still should be able to win this fight, he began, unless... But such a one was promised. Oh, I think it takes too long for another to come. I knew exactly that he had covered up what he had started to say and had spoken in a completely different way. But what he said still filled me with fear because I understood the broken words to mean worse than even he intended. Does anyone from the first circle, where the only punishment is the loss of hope, ever get this far down into the sad pit? So I made this question. And this, only rarely, he replied to me, do any of us make the journey as I now go. To be honest, once before I came this way, conjured by remorseless Erichtho, who brings shades back to their bodies, I had not long been denuded from my flesh when she made me into these walls to snatch a soul from the circle of Judas. There's nowhere lower or blacker or farther from the heaven that wheels over everything. I well know the way, so you can be certain of that. This swamp that belches of foul crap completely garters the sorrowful city. We can't get in without some sort of wrath. He said more, but I can't recall any of it because my eyes had pulled all my awareness up to the high tower with the fiery turret where all at once appeared three hellish furies painted with blood. They had the limbs and shape of women, but iridescent green hydras wound around them. They had little snakes and horned serpents for hair that wound across their horrible brows, and he at once knew them as the ladies in waiting for the queen of eternal wailing. Watch out, he said to me, the ferocious Erinnes. That's Magiera on the left side. The one who cries on the right is Electo, and the one between them is Tisiphone. And then he shot up. They raked their breasts with their fingernails, beat them with their hands, and shrieked so loudly that out of fear I pressed close to the poet. Let Medusa come, then we'll turn him to stone, they said as they peered down at us. We didn't do right when it came to avenging Theseus's attack. Turn around, keep your eyes closed. If the Gorgon shows herself and you see her, you won't get back to the world above. As my master said this, he took hold of me, spun me around, and not trusting my own hands, put his own over my eyes as well. Oh, you who are of healthy intellects, look well at the teaching that hides itself under the veil of these strange verses. And now there crashed across the turbulent waves an awe-inspiring sound that made the shore of the swamp start to tremble. It was like the blast of a wind that's caused by opposing heat currents, such that it strikes a forest without any resistance, splintering the branches, snapping them off and sweeping them away, pouring forward with a lot of dust, putting the animals and shepherds to rout. He uncovered my eyes and said, 
Now look way out there over the ancient dross and focus in on the spot where the smoke is the most intense. As frogs before a hostile snake will scatter and flee in every direction until they're all bunched together on the land, so I saw more than a thousand spirits fleeing in front of one who strode along over the swamp of sticks with dry soles. The air was acrid all around him, and with his left hand he fanned his face, worn out, it appeared, with this sort of annoyance. I well knew he'd been sent from heaven, and I turned to my master, who made a sign that I should stay quiet and bow down before him. How full of disdain he seemed to me. He came up to the gate and with a little wand opened it as if nothing held it in place. O outcasts from heaven, O despised people, he began as he stood on the awful threshold. What makes you stick to your insolence? Why do you kick against what is willed? Its purpose can never be turned back and it can increase your pain at any time. Do you think it helps to butt your skulls against fate? Your Cerberus, as you well remember, got his chin and gullet flayed for stuff like this. Then he went back along the mucky road without ever so much as making a gesture toward us. He looked like a man pressed and gnawed by other cares than the ones caused by the guy in front of him. We hightailed it to the city, fortified, by his holy words, we went in without the slightest battle challenge. That's where we're going to stop it. That's the passage. That's all the way out through Canto 9. We've come a long, long way. And I just wanted you to hear to the sweep of the story. I wanted you to hear how it goes, where we're headed, how we're headed there. I hope that this helps get it in your mind because now we're going to go back. We're going to go back to Canto 8, and we're going to do what we've been doing, taking it passage by passage in the episodes ahead. But this allows you, I think, to see the road ahead and to see the way the storytelling has changed. There's no zoo of the damned here. My gosh, there's Tisiphone and the Furies and the Medusa might be coming. And there's some kind of figure from heaven who enters hell. And there's Virgil and there's Virgil Bach and stopped and unable to continue the journey. And, oh, there's just so much in this passage. And yet, what's holding it all together? Hey, there's even science in this passage. Winds caused by heat convection currents. So much in this passage, all subsumed into the larger focus of storytelling. So, subscribe to this podcast. Give it a rating. If you don't know how to do that, just go to Apple Podcasts, drop to the bottom where it says... Uh, rate this podcast you can give it a rating there and if you drop a comment or leave a leave a commentary about it that's the best of all (laughs) come on it would be so helpful to me and i hope you enjoyed this episode subscribe see you soon connect with me on twitter under my own name mark scarborough hashtag at walking with dante i'll follow you you follow me let's talk more about dante and let's go back Canto 8 in the next episode and start through it passage by passage just as we've been doing.